kids are the key to herd immunity and knowing that these companies have performed this miracle of getting these vaccines out as quickly as they have and hopefully will be approved for decreasing and decreasing ages over these next few months that getting kids vaccinated is going to be the key to ending this pandemic. Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest minds in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, and joining us virtually is my co-host, Chris Gazuski. And in the studio today, we have Dr. Charles Schlein. He's the Senior Vice President and Chair of Pediatrics at the Cohen Children's Medical Center. And also joining us today virtually is Dr. Hank Bernstein. He's on the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices of the CDC. And he's also a professor of pediatrics at the Barbara and Donald Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. The vaccine has been out for a while. It's great news. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. The only people right now who can't get the vaccine are children. When will children be able to get the vaccine? And are these vaccines safe for children? Let's start with Dr. Schlein. Well, Rob, thanks for having us. And uh, it's always a great pleasure to be here with you and Chris. The children issue is an interesting one, isn't it? Because we usually think about vaccines and we think about children. So there's a bit of a paradox here. And clearly, uh, things were developed in a way recognizing early on that children were only mildly affected, typically. And we've talked on this show before about uh, COVID in children and some of the problems which we can cover again a little later today. However, uh, the companies uh, really did not enroll children in their early trials Uh, The Pfizer vaccine, as everybody knows, actually is approved for 17 and 18-year-olds, which uh, right now is um, not great. We're not covering uh, most of them. And um, and 16-year-olds also, uh, excuse me. But um, there there are trials ongoing presently. We think that at least adolescence, maybe 12 and up, due to Pfizer having just about completed an adolescent study, hopefully we'll have at least emergency approval uh, sometime over the next few months. We're expecting that to happen. Yeah, right now children uh, aren't in any of the eligible age groups. Uh, Dr. Bernstein, do you see any issues with children getting vaccinated once it's approved? As a pediatrician, vaccines are the number one preventive health measure that... uh, we love to uh, talk about. And as Dr. Schlein uh, mentioned, certainly uh, Pfizer's current vaccine is down to 16. Then they do what's called an age de-escalation and take it down to 12 and then go down into the younger age group. So it will take uh, a number of months for that to happen. Fortunately, uh, where tens of thousands of uh, people were enrolled in each of the COVID-19 vaccine trials in adults, we really only need uh, several thousand in each of the age groups as we go to younger and younger uh, children. It is important when we study young children though, that we include those populations that are at highest risk for having complications associated with SARS-CoV-2 infection specifically African-American populations and 
Latinx populations. But I see the manufacturers as including those uh, populations in their uh, studies. And I do think uh, there are many people that are actively and excitedly waiting to be able to immunize their children and get life back to normal. I saw, you know, some headlines and Dr. Fauci has said that, you know, we can start inoculating kids, you know, as soon as uh, the new school year in September in a few months. Is that realistic from both of your point of views? Or I do know that there are clinical trials underway in various populations, but are we nearing that point where we could potentially start immunizing our children? Yeah, I think uh, I think we are close. Um, according to Pfizer, uh, the 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 um, the studies on adolescents uh, is about completed. So I think they're going to be looking for emergency authorization fairly soon over the next potentially uh, month. So I don't think it's going to be far fetched that there will be enough doses. Uh, to at least get the high school kids and uh, middle school kids before the school year. The question is going to be, you know, the, the smaller children, as I said, Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson, um, as well as Moderna, I believe, will actually uh, be uh, performing those studies um, in the near future. In fact, I actually spoke with the medical director at Johnson and Johnson today. Uh, in preparation for uh, this podcast. And, um, you know, he had a few interesting things to say, but um, clearly uh, they're going to, they're moving into kids as we speak, you know, the, the as Dr. Bernstein said, the 12 to uh, 17, because uh, they did not get approval for the under 18 age group. And then hopefully by the end of the year, uh, will be completed uh, with those studies. So I expect the Pfizer will probably be out first, followed by Johnson and Johnson. You had mentioned before, you, you called it a paradox, is that most times, you know, kids are the ones getting vaccinated. Most adults already had their immunizations, and so children get vaccinated uh, more often. Is there any difference um, on the outside from this type of vaccine than the, the vaccines that children are already receiving? You know, what the Pfizer and Moderna, as has been uh, well publicized, uh, is a different technology. If you look at the science, and this has been covered over and over again, theoretically, those vaccines should actually be safer than many of the vaccines that have been uh, produced previously. Uh, and clearly does not get into the person's DNA. They are safe from that perspective. We now have millions of people worldwide that have received these vaccines. And in fact, the huge advantage of those vaccines is that it should even be easier to deal with variants that we're all so worried about in terms of will these variants uh, uh, not allow uh, immunity to all of the uh, COVID spreading around the world but um, it would it'll be easier with those to to accomplish uh, that goal of uh, really being nimble, so to speak, in a way that even the flu vaccines year to year have not been. In you know, in looking at the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, you know, it uses an adenoviral vector, um, 
which is a you know well-proven uh, methodology for producing vaccines. And in fact, it has been used in children a lot. And if you look at their most famous vaccine, and again, I'm not comparing the diseases, but uh, the J&J Ebola vaccine, which, you know, we had a scare, if you remember, sure. a few years ago, has been used in babies down to four months of age very safely and has been tested in uh, many. So, again, there is a lot of previous uh, history of the use of vaccines in children. There's no reason to think that the uh, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines will be dangerous in children. And again, those studies, uh, those clinical trials will be performed before uh, they get onto the market. I saw a, a story, I think it was in the New York Times last week, and they chronicled, they, they spoke to a teenager and a teenager's mother, uh, somebody who was participating, I believe it was in the Pfizer trial. And the kid on his second dose got, as we all know, can be a little bit um, you get more side effects um, on the second dose and went through the chills, the aches. And the mother was, uh, I, you know, you could tell since she was going through like the excruciating, you know, uh, why don't why do I put my kid through that? But meanwhile, the quote from the, the, the teenager was because I know this, he, he was perfectly fine with it because he knows this is the end. You know, he knew he wanted to contribute. And, uh, to, you know, obviously, it's a very mature response. But I feel like like that's the kind of thinking that we need from our parents and participants here, because when it does become available, we're going to need 100 uh, percent acceptance of these vaccines. Am I correct? Well, do we need 100 percent? 100 percent of people getting vaccinated would be fabulous. But honestly, if we can get 75, 80, 85 percent of uh, people vaccinated, that would be wonderful and we would develop what some people term as community immunity. And that's really uh, exciting to hear. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so for, for people, now, now a lot of people got excited that Johnson & Johnson came out. When children get approved, does it look like will one be better than the other or do you think parents will wanna get their kids the Johnson & Johnson so they only have to go through one needle in the arm? You know, I think it's a tricky question in, in, Rob, in that regard. However, it doesn't make much difference. The fact that everybody, including Fauci, has continued to say, take the first one available is because the difference in effectiveness of these vaccines, even though there is a numerical difference, it is true that if you've been vaccinated, the chances of having severe disease or hospitalization has been virtually nil. And we know then that these vaccines, all of the brands that have been out, have basically allowed you to avoid any kind of severe reaction to COVID. So the, the fact that one might be less effective than other in terms of testing positive for COVID really has nothing to do with the ability to protect against severe disease. And that's a huge advantage. So I think it makes very little difference. Now, if a parent is going to say, well, I'd rather my kid only get one injection. First of all, we don't even know what the, um, what the recommendation is going to be for Pfizer and Moderna and whether it's going to be two injections or maybe one will be enough. So I, th I think it's a little premature to even say at this point. 
think to underscore the entire issue around vaccines and children is that if you look at the percentage of children in the country, we're not going to get to herd immunity until children begin vaccination against COVID. And so regardless of how you feel about it, we need children and we need the approval of these drugs for children to get to the point we want to get where, where our society is feeling safe. Sure. And uh, I think, you know, ultimately that's got to be the take home message is that we got to get these drugs approved for children and we got to get kids vaccinated. Yeah. Good point. We also know that children, when millions of children are being infected, the vaccine will protect them, but it'll also have important implications for their family members. And we want them uh, their, all their family members to be protected. We don't want the children to be spreading the virus or transmitting it to other family members uh, in their household. So the idea that we can have that herd immunity is so critically important and we need it to involve all children as well as adults. So that brings us to uh, a segment we like to do, which is called Off Your Chest. And so uh, we just want to talk about, um, you know, there's so much misinformation on the internet and there's so many conspiracy theories these days. What, and we'll go, I'll go to Dr. Bernstein first and then we'll go to Dr. Schlein, but what bothers you the most? Uh, what What's something you want to get off your chest the most, Dr. Bernstein? So for me, the myth that children don't get COVID-19 is really troublesome because all of us at all ages are at risk for getting uh, COVID-19. And we need to recognize that there are complications associated with it. And if we can prevent it by getting vaccines and using the mitigation factors that have been uh, recommended for them throughout the months of the pandemic, there's no question that it really makes a difference. There has only been one pediatric death from influenza this year. There's usually at least 110 pediatric deaths from influenza and tens of thousands of deaths in adults from influenza. So we know the mitigation factors work and we know using vaccines work. So people need to recognize the value in being vaccinated and using good hand washing and all the other mitigation uh, factors recommended. Great. And Dr. Uh, Schlein, what would you like to get off your chest today? There are a lot of misconceptions about these vaccines. And, you know, we've been having all sorts of town halls, meetings with school systems, parents, and the rest. And some of the stuff I hear is the stuff I'd like to get off my chest, frankly. (laughs) One, that having less than 100% immunity to a vaccine is really not the point, as I sort of said, mentioned before. And the fact that you will avoid severe disease is actually the point, number one. So that's important. So that really doesn't matter which vaccine you take. Two, there's a lot of fear about the injection, about 
you know, all sorts of uh, conspiracies, uh, that something's going to happen to your DNA. Those are all clearly false. And I think the more we can say that out loud, I think the better off our society will be. I think number three are really about comorbidities. And the first children who will be vaccinated are those with comorbidities who have cancer, who have other autoimmune diseases. And again, there are some timing issues occasionally, and your physician should make that decision. But clearly, we are telling almost everybody that they should get the vaccine regardless of that comorbidity. And in fact, the risk of having COVID is significantly worse than any risk they would incur with the vaccine itself. Um, and that includes, you know, women who are pregnant and includes, uh, but hopefully potentially uh, infants, but does include lactating uh, women in terms of their infant. And um, so I think those are all pretty important issues as it relates to decisions by parents. Great. Excellent. All right. Well, we always like to end on a positive note. So Dr. Bernstein, we'll start with you. What gives you hope going forward? Vaccines. As a pediatrician, vaccines have been, as I mentioned earlier, the number one public health uh, achievement in the last century in my mind and developing community immunity where we're able to move toward uh, uh, normalcy is is incredibly exciting to me. I have a grand, a uh, brand new first grandchild, and it is so exciting for me to know that I will be able to uh, hold and kiss and hug my uh, new grandchild, uh, where it's been very difficult just doing FaceTime or looking through uh, the window on the door. So I am uh, thrilled and everyone else should be thrilled that we can prevent these severe consequences of this, uh, this virus and get back to the things that we love and enjoy. Awesome. Can't wait for you to meet your, grand, your grandchild. And Dr. Schlein, what gives you optimism? What gives you hope for the future? Well, I think we're seeing the light at the end of this long tunnel. And, um, you know, the CDC said if you got two people in a room, both have been vaccinated, you can take your masks off and you can actually stop socially distancing. And, you know, there are a number of other rules, but um, I, I think that's so exciting. And I think, as we said, you know, kids have been having a lot of issues over this past year, not going to school little babies not seeing their grandparents, high schoolers not hanging out with their friends. Um, kids are resilient. And I think uh, that's really an amazing positive. And I think we will see uh, that come to light. And I think I'd like to finish up by saying again, kids are the key to herd immunity. And knowing that these companies have performed this miracle of getting these vaccines out as quickly as they have and hopefully will be approved for decreasing and decreasing ages over these next few months, that getting kids vaccinated is going to be the key to ending this pandemic. So it's happening. We're almost there. That's awesome. Well, Dr. Schlein and Dr. Bernstein, thank you so much for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk. And to you, the listener, for tuning in, thank you. Have a great week and stay safe. 
Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.